you have the American dream. You run your own business. But running a business turns out to be more than you thought. It's a pain in the neck. You're not getting where you want to go. You're not getting what you want to get. And you're working 97 hours a week. We're here to help you fix that. This is the Small Business Celebration Podcast. I am your host, Michael Roberts, and on this podcast, you can learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. This is Kevin Oliver with Oliver & Associates Real Estate Team. I listen to the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and the reason that I really enjoy it, it has a lot of the different entrepreneurs and business owners that have a lot of the same mindset that I do, and I'm able to help expand my knowledge with fellow entrepreneurs. Before we begin our interview with this week's successful Small Business Vision Year, I want to take a moment and thank you, the listener, for listening to the Small Business Celebration podcast. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, you're about to hear an example of why after several thousand downloads in just over a year, small business owners, CEOs, CFOs, partners, and general managers download the Small Business Celebration podcast in record numbers on a weekly basis. We want to thank the tremendous content that our Visioneer guests continue to provide this podcast, our sponsors, and you, Visioneer Nation, who have subscribed to this podcast, internalized our guests' valuable insight, and because of it, are growing a strong and profitable business. And we thank you. Our guest today is Ollie Danner, the CEO of HempAccess.com. Welcome to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Well, hello, Michael. Good morning. Tell us a little bit about what it is that you do. I started a company here in Bakersfield called HempAccess.com. Our goal is to connect businesses in the hemp industry. And mm. so we do events. We recently had an event in Bakersfield where we had about 200 farmers come, and they've never met each other. We're doing 10 events around the country this year. And then digitally, we connect companies, farmers with vendors and, and other companies, insurance companies and tractor supply companies and soil amendment companies so that we can all educate ourselves and help each other in the area of hemp. To clarify for our listeners, the hemp industry is more than just about marijuana. Well, it's everything except marijuana, as a matter of fact. It's both hemp and marijuana come from the cannabis plant. Mm -hmm. So there is confusion in the marketplace. When people say cannabis, they think, oh, that's marijuana. But it all comes from the cannabis plant, and that's part of the education. And if you've read the news, you've seen hemp be prominent in the news for banking. And in 2018, it became a legal crop for 100 years. It it was illegal, considered a substance one drug. Now it's legal to grow for all sorts of things, nutraceuticals, oils, fibers, plastics. The list goes on. Why are so many farmers interested in growing hemp? There's two types of farmers. Mm -hmm. You have your established Farmers in the in the Central Valley that have been growing traditional row crops and tree crops, they're growing hemp for to see the viability and the, and the profitability of it versus other crops that they grow. Then we have another category of farmer that is they own land. They've never grown in their life, and they see the gold rush of hemp. We're actually trying to put the brakes on people from getting in and mm. saying it's not that simple. Unfortunately, in the United States last year, there was 500,000 acres that were grown of hemp. Only about 150,000 were ever harvested and sold on the market for many reasons. As you know about the, what happened in Arvin, the Arvin situation was farmer grew and hemp can turn into THC. 
mm-hmm. if you let it. And it's basically, it's also based on genetics. Mm. The crop turned above the 0.3 THC level. And so at that point, it's no longer a an ag commissioner issue. It's a sheriff issue. Mm. So that is when the sheriff then proceeded to destroy the crop. And we're trying to change the rules on that too, because there are times when a farmer may grow and crop may be, turn what they call hot. And why should that crop be wasted? We should be able to harvest it and use it for other items in the hemp world, and or even harvest it and then remove the THC, which is very doable. For farmers that are looking to get into the gold rush, you touched on a little bit about the various applications. But for the novice out there, like myself, what are some of the applications of hemp? Because a lot of us remember, <clears throat> okay, hemp was used in rope, right. but... Hemp has a lot of other possibilities. What are some of those? You can go to your local supermarket and currently buy hemp seeds to eat. So mm. it's already on the marketplace. It's not a viable crop yet to replace other commodities mm. yet. But let's just name a few. Mm-hmm. So paper, textiles, plastics, body care, construction. We can use hemp, what they call hempcrete, mm. and to build buildings. I have a hempcrete block in my truck right now, and you can hold that up, and it's a lot lighter than concrete, and it's stronger. It's resistance to pest and fire. It can be used as livestock feed. You can use it for biodiesel and ethanol. And then as everyone knows about CBD, the CBD market. So CBD is a very hot topic right now. You go to Walgreens and buy a CBD topical. There are stores in Kern County that you can buy what they call tinctures, that help with all sorts of ailments, but we can't make those claims. It's all personal. Right. All right. So the FDA is trying to catch up with what's left the station. Right. Uh, right. As is often the case. Yeah. Why are so many farmers looking at this as a gold rush? As a gold rush suggests, there's there's gold at the end of the, that rainbow, right? Right. The industry is finding out right away that it's not that simple. But the reason is, it stems from genetics, understanding the what grows in Kentucky doesn't translate to what grows in the Kern County. Mm. Now, here's the great news for Kern County. Kern County and the Central Valley will be the leader in the hemp industry in the United States hmm. due to the fact that we can grow two or three crops in one season. If you're in Michigan, Kentucky, Tennessee, you may get one or maybe two. You think about that. So we have a huge advantage in in the Central Valley. Farmers are looking at that. And a hemp crop matures and is harvested within 90 days right? on average, I mean, general terms. And depending on what you're growing for, whether you're growing for the nutraceutical CBD side, what's 90% of the market currently in 2019 has been grown for the nutraceutical CBD side. And there's other cannabinoids such as CBD and CBDN. And these things are, they're all, they all do similar things in the human body. It's right. a system that we just haven't addressed quite often in, in our medical research. Farmers are looking at the ability to grow a crop and make more per year or per acre than maybe a tomato. The tomato industry is having a tough time. So to, tomato farmers are growing hemp now. But it's also a commodity, just like any other crop that's out there. And this is one of the things that you just alluded to, is that there are so many people or so many farmers getting into the hemp industry that it sounds like they're oversaturating the market. And that's one of the reasons why you are trying to work very diligently with HempAccess.com is to help put the brakes on that and clarify for farmers who are looking to invest in hemp on what's being profitable, what's not, and the various stages in between. Correct. 
in this industry, we're trying to educate farmers that, you know, just being a farmer and selling your commodity to the market may not be the best business model. And so we're working with groups and co-ops where we're building the farmers are involved in the processing of the hemp for various industries, kind of mm-hmm. like the cotton industry. We have a co-op where the farmers sell to the co-op and the co-op sells and the farmers involved in the profit of what they grow. That's really the best model. We're trying to build California co-ops. We're building regional co-ops because a co-op in San Luis Obispo may have a different type of hemp product. And again, the co-op could be for the fiber side of business, or it could be on the nutraceutical side of business. And one of the challenges that you're also facing, unlike traditional commodities that are grown in California, is banking. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good good point. Banking and insurance mm. are two industries that they're getting on board. There are some banks that are, I won't name names, mm. but a little more forward-thinking when it comes to banking projects related to hemp and hemp farmers. They're out there and we know who they are and they come to our meetings and our events. And so we we love to have them speak about their part of the industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there are local companies here that are very forward thinking and that fly to Washington, D.C. on a monthly basis to learn about the upcoming USDA regulations related to insurance and uh, what have you. So we have quite a bit of knowledge here in Kern County in the hemp industry. And we, we try to get those folks together at our meetings. One of the things that you have also mentioned in all of this is that there's a pretty steep hill to climb with this industry versus other commodities that can be grown out there for the reasons you just stated. What are some of the pitfalls that people who are looking at a risky investment that Mm -hmm. this is, that they need to pay attention that is similar to any other kind of business or industry out there, and if not more amplified, because of the hemp industry specifically? We're starting from scratch. There are companies and farmers that have been doing research projects. So there's not a lot of history compared to other industries. If you're a widget maker and that widget's been made for hundreds of years, you can try to improve the manufacturing of that widget or if you're a farmer, you pretty there's a formula for growing almonds or tomatoes. With hemp, there's so many variables from genetics to soil amendments to the soil. What grows at the valley floor doesn't grow the same as 2,000 feet in the mountains. We're finding out that we're telling folks, think of growing hemp at this point is if you can go to Vegas and lose that money, you can grow whatever you can lose. Go ahead and start with that. The big companies can afford to lose more. But there's a lot of room for the local a smaller farmer that maybe have one acre or five acres, and they can create a boutique brand mm-hmm. uh, of product. We're currently working on a, a processing facility in, in the Central Valley, the very first, to process the fiber part of the business. And so we're very excited about that, and we're getting information from companies back in North Carolina that, are very, that have been doing this for about three or four years in the textile industry. The big companies... Levi's, Starbucks, they're all jumping into the hemp industry in, in a way that they'll, they'll drive the demand for the product and the raw materials. So there are challenges for sure. What are some of the red flags that an investor or somebody interested in getting into the market should pay attention to? That's a tough one. Uh, because, uh, <laughs> again, it's a very high-risk time right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are going to be winners, but there have been losers already in, in a very short career of the hemp industry in Kern County. So mm-hmm. looking at investments in the hemp industry, you know, I guess talking to 
people that have had success already. There are ambassadors that have been doing this for a long time. So mm-hmm. you can do Google searches. We try not to say, be a Google, go to Google University, right? Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people do that. And, you know, you do that when you get sick. You go online and you find out what's wrong with you. <laughs> um, same thing with the hemp industry. There are experienced and knowledgeable folks that we try to bring in. Some people will charge you a lot of money to consult them on the best investments and the best seeds and what have you. But we try to bring together through our digital platform and through our physical meetings that knowledge and share. And a lot of the hemp industry still has a bit of stigma from the marijuana industry. So part of the industry still is very secretive. And we're trying to have them come out of the closet, so to speak, and meet with each other. It's, it's okay to talk about it. You know? Right, right. <laughs> so, uh, and again, we did a meeting at, recently, about three weeks ago, and it was amazing. We had 100 people registered and 200 showed up at the door. Right, uh, right. So it was just amazing, and uh, so it was a lot of fun. And one of the other things that intrigued me about that particular meeting is how diversified the speakers that you have for different industries, because you did, you had human resources there, you had insurance there, you had people talking about water and different types of water and pH balances. You had a whole wide variety of, well, in essence, a farm show. A mini farm show. You know, we just had the World Ag Expo last week. I'll talk about it in a second. But our event is really geared towards bringing in not only people that are farming, but just like the oil industry, there's a lot of companies and industry that support the oil, oil industry. And, you know, as we know in Kern County, that's a hot topic and a big issue for us going forward for, you know, many years. And we're building an industry around the hemp industry. Companies like insurance companies that are getting in and learning from how to support the industry. So, um, And for visioneers who want to learn more about the industry, how do they get in touch with you and how do they learn more? One of the ways is our website, hempaccess.com. My email address is ollie at hempaccess.com. And we, we are doing a few things in the upcoming months and years. We're going to continue to do events. We're actually starting later this month. We will be doing a weekly meeting, kind of a get-together, social, not very formal, just to get together a local restaurant yet to be named. And, uh, we'll just get together and have dinner and talk about things in the hemp industry. And everyone's invited, consumers, businesses. And you're also having an event similar to the one that you had in Bakersfield coming up in February. Fresno is next month, March 12th. And then here's a little... March 12th, 2020. This year, right? Yeah. And here's a little thing we just put together. We're doing a uh, a Kern County Hemp Festival Ah. for the consumer. This is coming up uh, in early April. And we're hoping to be uh, a fun event. More to come on that. How do the top 10% of business owners generate so much success and wealth? I'm Tim McNeely from the Lifestone Companies, and I want to share with you four guidelines that will enable you to take better care of the people you love, support the causes you care about, and enable you to change the world. If you go to lifestoneco.com slash four things, that's lifestoneco.com slash four things, you'll be able to download this guide that shares with you the four success habits that will enable you to take better care of the people you love, support the causes you care about, and you to change the world. I'm here with Ollie Danner, the CEO of HempAccess.com, and we're talking about the hemp industry, but this is an industry that didn't, for Ollie, come out of a vacuum. You began your career doing SEO, and that has helped you with your current business with HempAccess.com. How did you get involved briefly in the SEO sector, and how has that helped you with, with what you're doing now? 
in 95, the beginning of the internet, so to speak, I worked for a company in Santa Monica and we built the website selling bicycles. And so we had a retail store and then that led to six years of learning. There was no word or acronym SEO at the time because we were the only bike store in LA that had a website. So Mm. we didn't have to compete very hard. Within a very short period of time, search engine optimization became a huge strategy for companies to compete online. Through that, we worked with Google. We did focus groups on on how Google should structure their, their search results. It was a pretty interesting time. And then in 2001, the company was bought out for a lot of money. And so I moved on to a career of being a consultant from SEO, which I did for, I still do today. Mm-hmm. If people beg me, I help them <laughs> do SEO. Uh, it's, it's a lot of work, but the results are amazing for my customers. And that included building websites and what have you. And then... The nice thing about doing work with clients, you get to meet a lot of interesting people in business. Over the years, I I gravitated towards the alternative fuel industry in Santa Monica. I forget what year it was. In the early 2000s, there was an alternative fuel car expo, and I went to the very first one where they had the very first EV1 from General Motors there. And so whatever you believe about electric cars, it's come a long way. And we're starting to see that now being a more of a mainstream product. So then for the last eight years, I've, in addition to doing SEO, I've worked in the electric vehicle charging station world where I've uh, installed charging stations around California and the country. It's been an uh, interesting time. Like now, the old Chinese proverb, may you live in interesting times. <laughs> yeah. And, and now we're seeing BP, Shell Oil, putting charging stations at their gas stations, right? One of the things that has affected Hemp Access is getting the name out, getting a presence out. And this is one of the things that affects a lot of business owners. And how, first of all, why is this a challenge for a lot of business owners on just getting their name out or getting their presence felt? Right. It's interesting. Before I... Three years ago, when I started into the hemp industry, I actually started making ethanol for the extraction industry. That's a whole other show, but um, which we're still currently doing. But business owners, I found, especially in the the agricultural industry, mm. in years past, they were farmers. Now they have to sort of be brand ambassadors, and mm. they have to. And I think that applies to all business owners, so not just the farming community. But if you have any business, you're like, you know, your overall presence, whether it be physical or digital, it's really important that it's consistent and the right messaging comes across. I mean, if you're if you're a great business and, and you're an insurance business, for example, but, you know, your website kind of looks like it was made in 2005, that hurts your business, you mm. know, compared because customers will go and look at different websites. You're, and then your online reputation. I think we all live by reputation, and so we want to have – Getting good reviews and is important. I always tell all my customers, every time somebody buys something from you or you sell a product or service, ask them to write a review for you. That alone will help you generate more business. But you did talk about people needing to become brand ambassadors now, and they need to pay attention to how they are perceived and what their reputation is. Right. We've had guests on in the past that have talked about your website and the importance of the website, but a website is only informative and not necessarily interactive. How do you go through and utilize or develop your website so that either you're driving traffic to it or you're driving traffic from it? So some of the pitfalls, I think, have been you build it and you leave it alone. 
it's a constant, I don't want to say upkeep because that sounds like work, but mm -hmm. it's really a matter of paying attention to it and adding new content. And not only on your website, but your social media. And these things are not new to this conversation, but it's pretty well known that updating your content on your website, being active on the main channels of social media, mm -hmm. email marketing is still the cheapest way to market, creating your database, because guess what? Even you can market to your current customer base by creating a, a database of emails. And you know what? That that alone right there in that bicycle company, every Monday back in 96, 97, and close to 2000, we were emailing 500,000 emails every Monday selling bike pedals and seats. The company was sold for $50 million. So email marketing is very important. So all of those things revolve around your online presence. So the pitfall is not paying attention to all of those or maybe just focusing on one. Right. And one of the things that we here at Small Business Celebration have discovered is that social media especially interactive social media is key. And it's no secret on this podcast, we get a lot of questions and comments for our guests and future guests from our social media presence. And those that interact with us on social media also elevate their own business right. and their own presence. How has that methodology worked for what you're doing now with Hemp Access? Right. And again, we're promoting businesses that normally wouldn't have been actively promoting themselves. Mm -hmm. on, on, so we're building them a little mini website on our page. Mm -hmm. And you can sell a tractor. You can sell hemp flour. You can sell insurance services. A lot of people that sign up on our platform have a very limited online presence, but some have a pretty good pr presence. You know, there's local companies that have multi-million dollar companies that advertise with us. And so the overall online presence on Hemp Access helps them reach the hemp industry. Hello, Visioneers! How would you like free exposure for you and your company to go through the roof? Like, comment, and share at least 10 small business celebration posts this month on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Visioner Heidi Forsyth of Bakersfield College did just that on a recent post of ours with John Paul Lake. Heidi asked John Paul an insightful question on our post of him. He answered, and the number of views on that post went through the roof. Now, even more people know about Heidi because of her one intelligent question. Be a visioneer like Heidi. Like, comment, and share a small business celebration post on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook today. We're here with Ollie Danner, the CEO of HempAccess.com. Your family has a very distinct German background. One of the things that comes from that family lineage is your love for sauerkraut. <laughs> Tell us, why do you enjoy, other than the family heritage and maybe you were spoon-fed it since since birth, right? why do you continue to relish and enjoy sauerkraut? Well, my mom's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Her name is Edeltrout, so it rhymed with sauerkraut. Uh, so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just a staple. I, I eat it every day. Uh, so sauerkraut is just something that I grew up with. And I've I've actually had some really good sauerkraut at some Basque lunches in, mm -hmm. in Delano. Mm -hmm. So uh, <laughs> I think it's a cross-cultural dish. <laughs> Family is very important to you. Right. And why is developing your business so important for you and your family? For me, it's been freedom. Being a self-employed, I won't call myself an entrepreneur, but uh, just being self-employed and working hard every day, I guess, is uh, important. And what that does is through life, it throws you challenges, family members getting sick, 
having family members that have challenges. It allows me to have time to spend time with them, take care of them. So for me, that's been, besides the learning of the electric vehicle world or the hemp world or the plant protein world, for me, it's just all, the learning is great. But the motivation is really to build a, like a legacy, a legacy business for my family that they can do survive without me, so to speak. Why is that? Well, without me, there's no support for mm-hmm. them. So unfortunately, I don't have a my family. They rely on me to take care of them. So and that's okay. You know, being a business owner has allowed me to, to do that. If I had a nine to five job, nothing wrong with working nine to five. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think my bosses over the years would have allowed me to leave the office two times a day to go take care of personal things. Mm-hmm. This way, I can have one hand on my laptop and the other hand on something to do to help with my, my family. Who's Mr. Squares? <laughs> Mr. Squares is a a desert cicada turtle that is in our family that I found when oh, 20 years ago and when I was living in Los Angeles. My roommate brought it home and so I brought it home to give to my sister. <clears throat> At the time, the turtle, or tortoise, I should say, it was about the size of a baseball. And now he's he moves yard furniture in the, around the backyard. <laughs> uh, he will eat a watermelon in one session. Wow. Uh, he digs under the house, almost undermining the, the foundation of the house. <laughs> Let's dogs ride on his back. We're going to open a little petting zoo someday <laughs> and charge $5 to get in. Uh, my sister has a very deep passion for animals. So that's been fun. Uh, yeah, it's Mr. Squares. <laughs> we had talked about some of the challenges and that you're trying to build a family legacy. Why is building a family legacy important? I think we all, everybody, cares about their family and if, what happens if they're not there. For me, it's about if, if I'm not here, what happens to my family? In real simple terms, it's just building a business because over the years in the SEO world, I worked as a consultant for clients. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't work that day, I didn't make money. Building the type of company, which is not a secret, you know, that's why even Hemp Access is sort of a, well, it, it is a subscription model. Mm-hmm. If I were to walk out of here and win the lottery or or get hit by a bus, let's say, the company can continue without me with the right structure. And and obviously, you're going to speak with financial planners and escrow companies and and, uh, what have you. I'm just now at my career getting to the point where I'm setting those entities up so that my legacy lives on, help with my family. And I don't have children, so I take care of my family, my sister, and my mother. But people that are employed with your company, you want to make sure that the the company continues beyond your existence, so to speak. So, yeah, I guess it's just, it's not so much leaving my name behind. It's just leaving something that can continue and be a positive influence in in an industry. And right now it happens to be hemp, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. When I was talking to a couple of my colleagues that we were going to be interviewing you, one of the things that kept popping up in every single conversation about you is your ability to be just one step ahead of the curve. Sometimes too far ahead. <laughs> <laughs> how have you learned this, and what happened for you to be able to discover how to put yourself in the prime position to be just ahead of the curve? I think in simple terms, it could just be the, the quest for knowledge. I think there's there's a lot of 
I'm not a rocket scientist, right? So I, I didn't sc- go to school for that. There are trends in life that interest you, that you gravitate towards. A lot of the industries that I've focused on have, between the plant-based industry and hemp industry and electric vehicle, I'm not trying to save the world. I am trying to save my little piece of the world. Hmm. If we can make our little part of our world a little bit better, I think that's important. Feel what you may about electric cars and plant-based hamburgers and and hemp being a hippie thing. That's really a stigma. But I think if we focus on those industries, they they can help our immediate families and and society and our neighborhood uh, being a sustainable product. That's kind of uh, always looking for those types of industries has been my passion. Would I be incorrect in with the notion that it's okay to make money and save the world at the same time? Yeah, absolutely. I I've done a lot of pro bono work out of my my whole life, you know, and and, <laughs> and, and learned without getting paid. But finally, you know, the hemp industry is paying me back a little bit. Mm. So, uh, and I hope to pay it back by doing the right thing. As I mentioned, we we're doing these little events, and we're going to do ten to twenty this year, and maybe fifty next year around the country. It's really about seeing the how we can help local people in the industry and let, getting them in the same room and, and talking. There's, there's a lot of passion in the hemp industry. we got to weigh between passion and reality, too, because uh, there's a, you know, everybody would like to be in the industry, but we want to build uh, infrastructure. What is one thing that Visioneer Nation could do today to grow a strong and profitable business? Connecting with like-minded individuals. Hmm. Yeah. How come? That's not unusual. You have different industries that that have goals in mind, whether it be, you know, the insurance industry, the oil industry, or what have you. So we're building the infrastructure in the hemp industry to learn and educate. And that translates regardless of what industry you're in? Right. How come? Shared knowledge. I think that's key to any industry. Now, people want to keep their secret sauce quite often. Mm -hmm. So if you build a new widget or software program, you're not going to give that away, although there have been entrepreneurs that have had open source things like Mr. Musk, right? <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> Giving away his, his code, his software. And I think the hemp industry is similar. I mean, we have, you know, everything from genetics to uh, how to farm. And so we want to share that industry. But in, any industry should share the information to help the industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. There is going to be competition. I think competition, there is some camaraderie in the industry. So, Well, Ollie... Thank you very much for coming on the Small Business Celebration Podcast. You've given us a wonderful amount of great information and clarified some things I had no idea about. I'm sure visioners didn't either. So thank you very much for coming on the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Thank you, Michael. It was a pleasure, and we look forward to more of your great podcasts. How do the top 10% of business owners generate so much success and wealth? I'm Tim McNeely from the Lifestone Companies, and I want to share with you four guidelines that will enable you to take better care of the people you love, support the causes you care about, and enable you to change the world. If you go to lifestoneco.com slash four things, that's lifestoneco.com slash four things, you'll be able to download this guide that shares with you the four success habits that will enable you to take better care of the people you love, support the causes you care about, and you to change the world. Who is a visioneer? A visioneer is a small business leader who is a pioneer that has vision. A visioneer is someone willing to see the world not as it is, but as it could be, and is willing to do something about it. 
A Visioneer is ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than the mainstream competition. A Visioneer gives value first because Visioneers are in business for the long haul. Visioneers understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visioneers define their destiny. Visioneers create their own luck. Visioneers surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visioneers are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visioneer? Join the Visioneer Tribe at Small Business Celebration on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.